Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode five. As you listen to these podcasts, I hope you realize that as we read the stories from the Bible, we're not reading stories of all these people who are perfect or who are, uh, you know, heroes in that sense, but we're looking at a bunch of people who are imperfect, sinful people, people like you and like me, who keep experiencing God's mercy and his grace. And this story that we're going to read from Genesis 12 to 15 today is a story of Abraham and a story of God's grace too. Genesis 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go out from your country, your relatives, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Then I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, so that you will exemplify divine blessing. I will bless those who bless you, but the one who treats you lightly I must curse, so that all the families of the earth may receive blessing through you. So Abraham left, just as the Lord had told him to do, and Lot went with him. Now Abraham was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. And Abraham took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they left for the land of Canaan. They entered the land of Canaan. Abraham traveled through the land as far as the oak tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your descendants I will give you this land. So Abraham built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Then he moved from there to the hill country east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and worshipped the Lord. Abraham continually journeyed by stages down to the Negev. There was a famine in the land, so that Abraham went down to Egypt to stay for a while because the famine was severe. As he approached Egypt, he said to his wife Sarai, Look, I know that you are a beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is my wife. Then they will kill me, but will keep you alive. So tell them you're my sister, so that it may go well with me because of you, and my life will be spared on account of you. This is not a good plan, by the way, just to make sure we're all clear about that. When Abraham entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. When Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. So Abraham's wife was taken into the household of Pharaoh, and he did treat Abraham well on account of her. Abraham received sheep and cattle, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. But the Lord struck Pharaoh and his household with severe diseases because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh summoned Abram and said, What is this that you have done to me? Why didn't you tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister, so that I took her to be my wife? Now here is your wife, take her and go. Pharaoh gave his men orders about Abram, and so they expelled him along with his wife and all his possessions. So Abram went up from Egypt into the Negev, He took his wife and all his possessions with him, as well as Lot. Now Abraham was very wealthy in livestock, silver, and gold. And he journeyed from place to place from the Negev as far as Bethel. 
he returned to the place where he had pitched his tent at the beginning between Bethel and Ai. This was the place where he had first built the altar, and there Abram worshipped the Lord. Now Lot, who was traveling with Abram, also had flocks, herds, and tents. But the land could not support them while they were living side by side. Because their possessions were so great, they were not able to live alongside one another. So there were quarrels between Abram's herdsmen and Lot's herdsmen. Now the Canaanites and the Perizzites were living in the land at that time. Abram said to Lot, Let there be no quarreling between me and you, and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself now from me. If you go to the left, then I'll go to the right. But if you go to the right, then I'll go to the left. Lot looked up and saw the whole region of the Jordan. He noticed that all of it was well watered. This was before the Lord obliterated Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, all the way to Zoar. Lot chose for himself the whole region of the Jordan and traveled toward the east. So basically here, just a quick note, Lot's chosen the most fertile place along the Jordan River, the most beautiful garden place, and he's left kind of the more hill country to Abram. So the relatives, going back to it, so the relatives separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, but Lot settled among the cities of the Jordan plain and pitched his tents next to Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were extremely wicked rebels against the Lord. After Lot had departed, the Lord said to Abram, Look from the place where you stand to the north, south, east, and west. I will give you all the land that you see to you. I will give it all to you and to your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone is able to count the dust of the earth, then your descendants also can be counted. Get up and walk throughout the land, for I will give it to you. So Abraham moved his tents and went to live by the oaks of Mamre in Hebron, and he built an altar to the Lord there. Chapter 14 At that time, Amraphel, king of Shinar, Arioch, king of Elisar, Kedlamar, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of the nations, went to war against Bera, king of Sodom, Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Adma, Shemember, king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zoar. These last five kings joined forces in the valley, in the valley of Sidim, that is the Salt Sea. For twelve years they had served Kedlamar, but in the thirteenth year they rebelled. In the fourteenth year, Kedlamar and the kings who were with him, his allies, came and defeated the Raphites and the Ashtoreth Karnim, the Susites in Ham, the Emites in Shavah Karathiam, and the Horites in the hill country of Zer, as far as Al-Paran, which is near the desert. Then they attacked En-Meshpat, that is Kadesh, again, and they conquered all the territory of the Amalekites as well as the Amorites who lived in Hazaran Tamar. Then the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Admah, the king of Zeboim, the king of Bala, that is Zoar, went out to prepare for battle. In the valley of Sidim, they met Kedlamar, king of Elam, Tidal, king of nations, Amraphel, king of Jainar, Ariah, king of Elisar. Four kings fought against five kings. Now the valley of Sidim was full of tar pits. When the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, they fell into them, but some survivors fled to the hills. The four victorious kings took all the possessions of food from Sodom and Gomorrah and left. 
They also took Abram's nephew, Lot, and his possessions when they left, for Lot was living in Sodom. A fugitive came and told Abram the Hebrew. Now Abram was living by the oaks of Mamre, the Amorite, the brother of Eschol and Einar. All these were allied by treaty with Abram. When Abram heard that his nephew Lot had been taken captive, he mobilized his 318 trained men who had been born in his household, and he pursued the invaders as far as Dan. Then, during the night, Abraham divided his forces against them and defeated them. He chased them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. He retrieved all the stolen property. He also brought back his nephew Lot and his possessions, as well as the women and the rest of the people. After Abraham returned from defeating Kedlamar and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet Abram in the valley of Sheba, known as the king's valley. Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now he was the priest of the Most High God. He blessed Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abraham by the King Most High, creator of heaven and earth. Worthy of praise is the Most High God, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Abraham gave Melchizedek a tenth of everything. Then the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the people and take the possessions for yourself. But Abraham replied to the king of Sodom, I raise my hand to the Lord, the Most High God, creator of heaven and earth, and vow that I will take nothing belonging to you, not even the th- a thread of or strap of a sandal. That way you can never say, It was I who made Abraham rich. I will take nothing except compensation for what the young men have eaten, as for the share of men who for the of men who went with me, Anar, Eskol, and Mamre, let them take their share. Chapter fifteen. After these things, the Lord's message came to Abram in a vision: "Fear not, Abram. I am your shield and the one who will reward you in great abundance." But Abraham said, "O sovereign Lord, what will you give me since I continue to be childless and my heir is Eliezer of Damascus?" Abraham added, Since you have not given me a descendant, then look, one born in my house will be my heir. But look, the Lord's message came to him. This man will not be your heir, but instead a son who comes from your own body will be your heir. The Lord took him outside, gaze into the sky and count the stars, he said, if you were able to count them. Then God said to him, So will your descendants be. Abraham believed the Lord and the Lord credited it as righteousness to him. The Lord said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But Abraham said, O sovereign Lord, by what can I know that I am to possess it? Then the Lord said to him, Take for me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. So Abraham took all these for him, and then cut them in two and placed each half opposite the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. When the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Now, if you're confused right now, that makes sense. There's a special thing going on here. This is called a covenant ceremony. Abraham understood it because it was actually common in that day. What happened was when two people were going to make a big agreement together, They would cut animals in half, put one on each side of a bit of a trough, and then in the middle, the blood would flow. And the person who was the lesser person in the the covenant, the agreement, would walk through the blood and basically say, if I break this covenant, 
I'll be like these animals. I'll be cut in half. It'll be my life. And so Abraham's doing the ceremony God's told him to do, and Abraham's expecting that he will walk through the pieces, not God. But here's what happens next, verse 12. When the sun went down, Abraham fell sound asleep, and great terror overwhelmed him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign country. They will be enslaved and oppressed for 400 years. But I will execute judgment on the nation that they will serve. Afterward, they will come out with many possessions. But as for you, you will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will return here, for the sin of the Amorites has not reached its limit. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, a smoking fire pot with a flaming torch passed between the animal parts. That day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham. To your descendants I will give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates River, the land of the Kenites, Kenizzites, Cadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Raphaites, Amorites, Canaanites, Gergesites, and Jebusites. Notice what happened. Abraham didn't walk between the pieces, but God shows up as a flaming torch and a smoking fire pot and walks between the pieces in a sense himself. And this really is pointing forward to the fact that one day God is the one who will keep this covenant and that God himself, Jesus himself, will be in a sense cut to pieces, will have his blood shed to pay for Adam, for Noah, for Abraham, and for you and me and our failure to keep our covenant serving and worshiping God. It's an amazing story, actually, of God's grace to us, foreshadowed in this wonderful story. And now we go back to Mark 5, and we see some amazing stories about Jesus using his power to heal, restore life, just incredible displays that he is no ordinary human being. Chapter 5. So they, that's the disciples and Jesus, came to the other side of the lake, the region of the Gerasenes. Just as Jesus was getting out of the boat, a man with an unclean spirit came from the tombs and met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For his hands and his feet had often been bound with chains and shackles, but he had torn the chains apart and broke the shackles in pieces. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Each night and every day, among the tombs and in the mountains, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him. Then he cried out with a loud voice, Leave me alone, Jesus, Son of the Most High God. I implore you by God, do not torment me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of that man, you unclean spirit. Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he said, My name is Legion, for we are many. He begged Jesus repeatedly not to send them out of the region. There on the hillside, a great herd of pigs was feeding, and the demonic spirits begged him, Send us into the pigs, let us enter them. Jesus gave them permission, so the unclean spirits came out and went into the pigs. Then the herd rushed down the steep slope into the land, into the lake, and about 2,000 were drowned in the lake. Now the herdsmen ran off and spread the news in the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, the one who had had the legion, and they were afraid. Those who had seen what had happened to the demon-possessed man reported it, and they also told about the pigs. Then they began to beg Jesus to leave their region, 
As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed asked if he could go with him. But Jesus did not permit him to do so. Instead, he said to him, Go to your home and to your people and tell them what the Lord has done for you, that he had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis what Jesus had done for him, and all were amazed. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat, in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came up, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He asked him urgently, My little daughter is near death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be healed and live. Jesus went with him, and a large crowd followed and pressed around him. Now a woman was there who had been suffering from a hemorrhage for twelve years. She had endured a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, for she kept saying, If I only touch his clothes, I will be healed. At once the bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Jesus knew at once that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing against you, and you say, Who touched me? But he looked around to see who had done it. Then the woman, with fear and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, the people came from the synagogue leader's house saying, Your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher any longer? But Jesus, paying no attention to what was said, told the synagogue leader, Do not be afraid, just believe. And he did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the synagogue leader, where he saw noisy confusion and people weeping and wailing loudly. When he entered, he said to them, Why are you distressed and weeping? The child is not dead, but asleep. And they began making fun of him. But he forced them all outside, and he took the child's father and mother and his own companions and went into the room where the child was. Then gently taking the child by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means, Little girl, I say to you, get up. The little girl got up at once and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. They were completely astonished at this. He strictly ordered that no one should know about this and told them to give her something to eat. What a great story. I just love this story. And it reminds me that uh, Jesus is the powerful one. His wisdom, his timing is beyond anybody else's. He knew what he could do when he needed to do it and how to care for each person in this story in a wonderful way. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, HTTP, netbible.com, copyright 1996, 2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music. You were always there. You were always there. Whispering the truth.